Good evening, everyone. Oh yeah. Hello. All right. Let's turn to Second Timothy chapter two. Take out your Bibles. Turn to Second Timothy chapter two. For those of you who are here for the first time, my name is Myung Hwa Choi. I am an executive pastor at New Philadelphia Church. Welcome to our prayer meeting. And, um, yeah, Second Timothy chapter 2. Before we read the scripture together, I'm going to ask you guys to talk to your neighbor with this one question. Um, what is your favorite war movie? Talk to your neighbor about it. And choose one and tell them about that. Why that movie is so awesome. All right. Okay. Some people just got mad excited. <laughs> right, give me some, throw some titles to me. What's your favorite? Star Wars. Star Wars? What's your, uh, 300? And? Saving Pri- Private Ryan. Braveheart. Mulan. <laughs> Alright, all these amazing war movies that I did not watch. I'm not a war movie person. I actually didn't even watch the Gladiator 300. I watched it, but my eyes were closed more than half of the, you know, movie. Not because I was sleeping, but because it was just so graphic and bloody. But, um, I heard those are good movies. Saving Private Ryan, not Lion. I keep saying Lion. I've been talking about Lion King a lot, so. That movie, heart is really good. I tried it twice, but then I never could finish it. So maybe I'm missing out. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about battle and war and soldier and army, stuff like that tonight a lot. Are you guys cool with that? Second Timothy chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 7. Okay, let's read it together. Okay, one, two, three, go. You, then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. The athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Amen. Father, we pray that you will give us understanding in all this scripture. Amen. All right, God promised in verse 7, so we'll hope that we'll get it. Uh, we'll believe that we'll get it. <laughs> so I'm going to focus on verse 3 and 4 that talks about the soldier part, right? I was so tempted to t- talk about the athlete part. I was going to preach about Jeremy Lin. Is anybody on the bandwagon with me? Woo! <laughs> I was going to preach from him, but um, <laughs> yeah, anyways, okay. I never thought I would ever spend my lunch break on ESPN, which I did for several days, last few days. It's really... Great. He's really, um, yeah, let's move on. He's really great. Do you know that you guys are all enlisted in the army of God? 
If you believe that, say amen. Whether you like it or not, whether you enjoy war movie or not, whether you have a lot of muscles like Eunice Ko, or like mushy muscles like me, <laughs> does not matter. Whether you like it or not, you're enlisted in the army of God. By the way, don't mess with her. She's been taking kickboxing classes recently. And Eunice. All right, I'll stop right there. <laughs> She's like turning bright red. Anyways, uh, so whether you like it or not, you are in the army of God. You know, if you didn't know about our church's vision statement, uh, it is to raise up a mighty army of warriors that are going to carry the anointing of Isaiah 61, uh, to, to summarize it. And if you didn't know about it either, we do have the army, army-like structure and rank in our church. Uh, Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron are, uh, they are majors. They're like changunde in Korean, like majors. And there's like captain, there's a sergeant, there's, uh, members are privates. Like the Ryan, you know, you, you guys are, a lot of you are private. You have the army structure as well. And, um, I thought at the beginning when PC came up with that army rank, whatever, I thought he was just really into it. And I just really wasn't feeling it because I felt like he was playing. Like, it sounded like we're playing some video games, you know, the rank and you go up to the rank. And it was, I wasn't into it at all. But PC was like all for it. You know, we're the army of God. We need the rank system. And uh, so we started doing that. And uh, even, you know, whenever we have like an amazing worship service, amazing altar call, the closing, closing song was always this one same song. Do you guys know what that is? Victory! The title of it is Victory. It goes like, we are the army of God. And it's an amazing song. Actually, Herman's sitting right there. He, he wrote that song. Uh-huh. If you love that song, go to iTunes and then you can actually purchase it. He recently did a recording of it. Okay, I totally put you on the spot. I'm sorry, Herman. But that song is truly amazing. We are the army of God. And it's not an official thing, but Newfield has been just really moving in the spirit of the song. And we've been singing that a lot, you know? But though I wasn't into it for many years, uh, God's been revealing the truth and the revelation that it's not a pastor Christian thing, but it's a kingdom of God thing. You know, if you think about it, every kingdom has its own army. Uh, earthly kingdoms, of course, they have their own armies. And then the kingdom of darkness, Satan's kingdom has the de- de- demons and devils. They are like the soldiers, you know, for the kingdom of darkness. And of course, kingdom of God also has a mighty army a glorious and victorious army. In fact, the more glorious a kingdom gets, a mightier, the mightier the army should get as well. So verse three, verse 3 says this, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. NIV goes like this, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So 2 Timothy is a letter that's written by Apostle Paul to his like, spiritual son, Timothy. And then he tells him to share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, or in NIV, endure hardship with us like a good soldier. Good soldiers, do you know what they do? Good soldiers, they go fight. Amen? They go to battles, and that's what they do. And they share in suffering, they endure hardship together. And I think after I studied church history and the work history and all that, uh, I learned that, um, like, defense, defense, defense or defense, defense 
protection, keeping the peace of the country kind of thing is more of a modern idea of army. Don't you think so? Like, if you, if you go back to, like, the history long time ago, army, like, you know, those, like, Persian army, like, Mongolian army, they were crazy. They will go into, like, this new land, and they will invade, they will fight, they will conquer, they will plunder the enemy. And that was the idea of army. You know, not just protecting a country, you know, make sure that nobody comes in, make sure, you know, you kick out those who come in and invade, you know. So, they were, they were, um, 무서웠, like, they were like, Courageous, like, you know, they're violent armies, you know. Even in the Bible, when Joshua went into the uh, promised land, Canaan, when they went into it, God told them to wage a war against them and to wipe out anything that's unrighteous. In fact, to kill everything and everyone, you know. And I was thinking about this warfare, army, soldier a lot. And what really stood out to me in this verse 3 is this. It has that um, sense of together. We do it together. If you look at it again, share in suffering. Share it. Just by the definition, it means that we share something. It means you do it with someone. You know, it has that together. We do it together in it, you know. And NIV says, endure with us. It says that you do it with us together. It talks about unity and doing it together, doing the warfare together, doing what soldiers do together. And I'm going to show you an example, a great example of this in 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you would like to, you could turn there. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. I'll read it for you. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they raged, ravaged, sorry, the Ammonites and besieged, right? Besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Some of you are smirking at me. A lot of you who ta- who's taking the, um, what is that? Uh, the preaching class. Cause, uh, you know what happened? So at the preaching class, we were doing this like randomly. We, Pastor Christian just called out some people to preach just spontaneously on the stage. Uh, Pastor Christian gave them like three minutes each, and then you, uh, some group of people were able to choose just whatever they wanted to, kind of thing. So uh, our sister Candice from Itaewon got called out, and then she went up on the stage, and she started preaching off of my mind. Serious, okay? I knew what I was going to preach on today, and I had the scripture, which was 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. I knew my um, thrust of everything. I had everything down. You know, in my mind, in my journal, it was there, and I... I, as I was listening to, I was bugging out at the back. Who was, who was near me? Hey, if you were near me, you, you saw me like crazy, like, oh, she's preaching my sermon right now. You know, she stole it, or kind of thing. You know? And some of you were smirking at me, thinking, man, was plagiarizing. You know? That's Candace's sermon. But copyright belongs to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So, um, if you wanna, uh, accuse me, I talk to the Holy Spirit about it. And Candice, I gotta talk to her. She's just prophetic and she just knows the heart of God like that. And you know, it was an awesome confirmation for me to, you know, really establish it to you guys because she's not a regular preacher of the house. And, um, you know, after this one verse, you know, what really stands out is that it says in the Bible, it says, when kings go out to battle, it's a spring season and that's a season when kings go out to battle. The Bible tells us that information in defense. And then David 
was a king, right? But he doesn't go. He sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. So the only person that didn't go to the battle was King David himself. And the verse clearly tells us that, but David remained at Jerusalem. He did not join them. Now I'm talking about the togetherness, doing it together. And if you know what happens to David afterwards, he goes on the rooftop or like veranda or something, and then he's like taking a walk, you know, looking around the empty city, and he sees this beautiful woman bathing, Bathsheba, and then he feels in love and all that stuff happens, you know. And then they have get pregnant, they end up murdering her, her husband, this nasty story happens. You know, God redeems it later on. But then the curse that was caused by that, um, that incident remained on the, on, on Israel, you know. So this, Bathsheba comes, you know, it, it happens. That was Candice's title. It happens when you don't go into the battle that you're supposed to go. You know, when you remain in Jerusalem, not joining the whole country, you're just chilling, you know. But, you know, in Jerusalem, Bathsheba comes. It happens, you know. It's so interesting because um, people avoid battles. You know why people do that? It's because they're scared that they will be overcome by the enemy at the battle. They avoid battle. They are afraid that they will be uh, overcome by evil. But then, if you look at this passage carefully, sin overcame David when he was disengaged from the battle. When he chose not to go, when he avoided the battle, sin overcame him. The enemy overcame him. The only way to lose a battle as a soldier of God is to avoid the battle. If you are hiding or dodging the attack of the enemy instead of confronting the devil, what happened to David is a warning for you. If that's a pattern that you hold on to. You guys know the Gideon story in Judges chapter, I think, 7. Gideon was hiding the wine press because he was afraid. He was avoiding it, he was dodging it, and he didn't want to confront the enemy. But because he, he didn't know who he was, but the angel of God appears to him and says, you are a mighty warrior of God. And then when he steps out into the battle, like the following chapter, like one chapter after, he thrives in battles. You know, he was a mighty warrior because God called him so. You know, only way to lose a battle as an army of God is to avoid the battle and stay at your house being lazy. You know, the Bible tells us that the enemy is under our feet, under our foot. Uh, the enemy is under the foot of Jesus Christ. That means that we are, we consist of the body of Christ. You know, we are the body. And then if it's under his foot, it means that he's under us. You know, the weakest of, uh, of all, all Christians, let's say they are like foot, then the enemy is under that. You know, you can just step on him, you know. Victory is already won. We are more than conquerors. We all know that. But for you to um, win the battle, you have to go out to the battle first. Victory doesn't come to you if you are just staying home watching TV. Victory doesn't come to you if you are just staying in remaining in Jerusalem when everyone else is engaging with the warfare. You have to go to the battle for you to win the battle. In fact, victory is already guaranteed. You know, Jesus already gave it to us. I won, I overcame the world. I won the battle and it's already given to you. You know, for like, um, even like sports, for Jeremy Lin to have the eighth win, 
He needs to go out to the to the uh, game, and he has to play it for him to get that. Oh, Jamie's feeling it. You know, you know that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, for him to win another game, the team's gotta go and have another game with somebody. You know, that's how you gain the victory. And if you're just sitting around and you know, if you're not engaged in the warfare, you're not gonna win. Of course. I just have to talk about him. I'm sorry. Oh, you know. For the army of God, <laughs> this is important line. Okay, stay engaged. For the army of God, <laughs> talking to myself. For the army of God, <laughs> oh man, help me, Lord. <laughs> oh man, this obsession. Oh man. For the army of God, the safest place is the battlefield. If you know that you are a mighty warrior, if you know that you are a soldier of, that belongs to God's kingdom and God's army, the safest place for you to be is the battlefield. There is no safer place than that. You know, God called you to be there as a soldier, then that's the safest place. You are safe there. That battlefield, you will thrive once you jump out there. I don't know if this sentence makes sense, but be at war. Does it make sense? Medically, I turn to your neighbor and tell them that. Be at war. Be at war. Come on. Go to the battle. Be at war. Um, if you attend New Philly, you guys are aware that there is sowing season and there is Sabbath season that we have. So three months, three months, two months of Sabbath, and then we go into four months of sowing season, and then Sabbath for two months, and then four months of sowing season. It goes like that every year. But then sowing season starting in about two weeks. Dun, dun, dun. Sowing season, we start having small groups again, and then we uh, restart the SBS, Sunday Bible study. Itaewon, they have something else going on. But Hillside, we have SBS, and then we, we do uh, midweek, like small group gatherings, and other things also go on. Sowing season is a time to go fight the enemy. I mean, I'm not saying Sabbath season is our vacation. It's really not. It's a season to sharpen your swords and your weapons. You, know, you, don't, you don't take vacation from the, from the battle, you know. I told you it's the safest place for you to be. So you stay there, you sharpen your armors, you sharpen your sword, and then sewing season begins and you go engage the battle. Are you guys ready for that? Sewing season? But I want us to remember this. This is, like, important. It's important for us to go together. Everyone repeat after me. Let's go together. Yeah, mission season, I really saw, oh man, our church is so beautiful. It's just so united with whenever we have these missions, like projects. You know, I went to Nepal and then another team went to uh, Thailand. And, you know, the whole church was engaged in it. You are, we are either going or sending, you know, with finances, with prayer. The whole church, UPS, United Prayer Service, you guys were just engaged in it. So many people were fasting for us, praying for us, and it was just beautiful. It's because we went together. It's not like some people going and you guys are staying back. It's, uh, it's like going together and sharing all these amazing riches and inheritance that comes from the field together. You know, you have to be engaged in warfare, whether you're going or not. And I really saw a beautiful picture of how we could work together. You know, I think it's pretty much established, you know, unless you're really new. Our church is really good at that. But um, what I, um, sometimes when I lead prayer, when PC is leading prayer, um, peace, uh, people sometimes zone out. 
you know, they're just not in the mood to warfare, not really, you know, feeling it. Or maybe they're just not interested in the topic. That's not my heart. I don't know that person. You know, I don't really feel like praying. You know, so you just take your, you know, just sit it down. You're just warming your seat, you know. You're just, you're just sitting there. And that's, that's, that's not like sin. I won't call it like evil. I sometimes do that too. But um, it's important to be battling together when we pray for those things as a church. Even when you don't really care about membership class, when you are not interested in really, um, um, what is that, pastor's cafe? Because you will never go to one because you are not a newcomer. You know, it doesn't really matter. Whether you really like have heart for it or not, if, you know, like a commander, PC is like a commander of the house, you know, when he calls out and when he says his heart and when he calls a battle, you know, battle over the newcomers, you know, let's warfare and let's really cover this. Whether you feel it or not, whether you like it or not, engage in the warfare. Like, when we pray for Sujong Jipsanim, I know many of you, majority of you don't even know her. You've never seen her face, you know. But then, um, just quick update, because uh, I know a lot of people listening to the podcast are curious about what's going on. You guys, I realized that we've been praying for her over like 14, 15 months. You notice that? We've been faithfully praying for her for over a year, 2011, the beginning of the year, we heard that uh, she had t- tumor, brain cancer, and then she was taken to the hospital, and they were just, we started praying and warfaring for her. And um, knowing that her family, none of her family members are Christian, and her situation was really bad, uh, doctors, like, rated her cancer as, like, um, level 10, which is the worst. You know, between, like, 1 to 10, it was, like, 10. Most difficult place to have a surgery on. It was a really, really terrible situation. And then April, we went to uh, visit her for the first time at Yonsei Severance Hospital. And then it was some of the core members. And then we went. And I couldn't, I was the only person that knew her personally. So I was looking for her in, in the room that had her name, but I could not find her. Like six patients lying down. I was like, where is she? Where is she? She's not here. And I was about to leave. And I see her son standing next to a bed. And I find out, oh, that's her. Because her face was just completely different. And then because of the brain damage, she was uh, moving her jaw constantly. Her body was, like, twitching. It was, we felt um, very difficult in our hearts. And we, we didn't know what to do. Uh, she was able to hear me and then uh, kind of, like, let me know that I'm, I'm listening to you. She would squeeze my hands and stuff. We prayed for her. We contended for her life. In um, August, you guys saw the picture earlier. Rachel put up a picture. That's actually from August of 2011. She came to testify that God healed her. So we saw miraculous healing. She came out and said that uh, as she was coming out of the surgery, she um, uh, God's presence was on her. She said um, she encountered the Lord as she was coming out of the surgery when she was unconscious. We thought she was unconscious. But she said, God healed me, and she testified at Sunday swim. So many people, you, you guys were there, right? We were all crying. We prayed for her again. And um, about three, four months later, November, uh, we heard that she, uh, the, the cancer came back. And it was worse. So she got sent to ICU again. And then I think last week, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, and myself, we went to the hospital uh, into the ICU. We had to go, cra- go through crazy um, sanitizing, whatever, to like clean everything and wear all this stuff. We went in. And then once again, I couldn't find her. Once again. And then I found the son again, right next to her bed. 
uh, uh, you know, it's hard to describe how she is right now. It's not recognizable. She, her eyes are, you know, just not there. She's just lying there. That's like the best description I could give you. But what I sense, Rachel briefly shared, but then uh, what I sensed was her spirit is alive. You know, spirit of God is still on her, and she, her spirit's alive. She's strong inside, but I felt like it was just locked up in her body. You know, weak, weak flesh, you know. And her body couldn't move. She couldn't control anything. But I felt like she was alive inside. She was on life support and everything, but I knew her spirit was alive, you know. And we were just praying that, that will, the power of the spirit will break out of the weak flesh. And then she will just awake and start talking and everything, right? So, you know, when we pray for, that was a long update. When we pray for, like, people, like, 수정 집사님, it's hard to engage, I know, I admit. You never met her. You don't really know the full story, you know. But engage in the warfare. Because that way, you will enjoy the victory that we are going to see at the end of it. You do not want to be left out. You know, you want to celebrate with the whole family, with the whole house, the whole army of God. You want to rejoice with us together. We have to pray together. You know, we're not just, you know, forcing you to yell and scream when you pray. That's not what we're asking for. We're simply asking, be engaged, stay engaged in the battle with us together. We're going to continue to pray for her. We'll see her rise up. God has a mighty plan for her. And it's, it's not done yet. You know, same goes for North Korea. And then recently, PC has been casting a lot of visions for youth, the revival for the youth in Korea. Everything, you know, the house goes for it. You go with us. We go together. Um, you know, and then the warning that we get from that uh, Second Samuel passage is that when you don't, you move Shiva, right? <laughs> and I'm sure none of you want to go into the situation. Brothers, no. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and sisters too, no. <laughs> so we are gonna, I know our house, we will stay engaged in the warfare. Amen? And verse 4, let's read it together. Uh, verse 4 goes like this. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. NIV goes this, like this. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. And I was wondering, not really watching war movies and not really knowing about army service, I was wondering what did Paul mean by civilian pursuit? Does anybody have any, any idea? Civilian pursuit? Is anyone in this room on army, like an army person, soldier, U.S. Army, Korean Army? Okay, did anybody go to 군대 here? Korean 군대? Jin Okay. Okay. You went? Okay. I guess he's the only one. All right, so I can say whatever, right? Nobody knows. <laughs> right. This is what I just um, meditated on and figured out. You know, good soldiers that we just talked about, good soldiers are kingdom-minded. They don't really think about themselves. You know, good soldiers, they fight for each other. You know, they die for their fellow, um, fellow soldier, right? Fellow soldier, colleagues, whatever. You fight for each other and you're willing to die for, you know? And then you are willing to, good soldiers are willing to die for their kingdom. You know, like U.S. Army dying for U.S., you know? Korean Army dying for Korea, you know, for their safety. And they're kingdom-minded. They're focused. 
But their focus, oh, 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 oh. Right. they don't really think about themselves when they're fighting. They're willing to die for the kingdom. Oh, I said it. They're focused. You know, my brother, uh, my brother, I have an older brother that's three years older than me. Uh, my brother went to Korean army. Uh, he went to the Navy, Hegun. Navy, it's not hard to get in at all. Uh, <laughs> anyways, he went to Navy, right? And then after, uh, he was done with the, with his duty, it was like two and a half, three years, it was long, uh, service. And then when he came out, uh, he had this, you know, the, like, uh, ID card that the soldiers have, Korean soldiers have like a, this ID card thing. And then on the back of the ID card, it had like, really, like, in a really small, uh, letters, like he wrote down some like important stuff, right? And then I was trying to read them, and then it said, <laughs> like all kinds of like, food names, you know. I was like, Opa, like why did you write these now? You know, but what are these? And then he was like, whenever I really craved something that he wanted to eat, he would just write them down on the back of his ID. And then whenever he will come out to um, you know, for a vacation and stuff, he would go eat jajangmyeon and tangsuyuk and all that, you know? Poor, you know, long list, you know, it's like endless. There's like a 30 different food names like listed on that. Can I say that could be like one of those civilian pursuit, maybe? Uh, and then after he came out of the army, he, oh, he spent like a whole lot of money, uh, on picking up on his fashion. You know, in the army, you don't, you don't care about it. You wear the same thing every single day. And then there's no girl to impress. So he, you know, he didn't need anything. But then after he came out, he was like trying to pick on, pick up on the trend. You know, what's trendy? You know, like you hang all the fashion stuff, you know, buying new shoes and new jeans and, you know, all that. Uh, what to wear? You know, he was kind of consumed in it. He would be on G market all night, you know, trying to like pick out the best clothes, the most trendy ones and all that. What to wear, what to eat, money, you know, getting like part-time jobs and not that that's bad. And all kinds of pleasure, not to make, talk bad about my brother, but he's not a Christian. He loves drinking, you know, he has his girlfriend, um, all that. I love my brother. You know, um, you know, focus soldiers, they don't care, care, care about that in the army. You know, you guys get my point? They don't worry about what to eat. They, they, you know, they get food. It's served for them. They don't worry about what to wear. They don't worry about where to go. You know, they don't worry about those stuff. Like money, who cares? You know, it's, it's sent, being sent to your account or something. You know, they don't, um, they don't focus on the pleasure of the world. You know, they are focused to please the commander and to serve faithfully good soldiers. You know, they do that. They don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. But when they get distracted by all those civilian pursuits, quote unquote, uh, they're, you know, those pursuits, they're not evil things, but those things are u- being used against them, you know? In 2 Samuel 11, the passage that we read, um, that whole chapter has an amazing example of a focused soldier. His name is Uriah. Uriah? Uriah? It's Bathsheba's husband that gets murdered by King David. But, uh, he refuses to get involved in, in this civilian pursuit whatsoever. 
you know, King David tries to, because Bathsheba was pregnant, he was trying to, you know, get him to sleep with his wife so that they will believe, he will believe that that baby is from him or something, but then he refuses to do that. I'm not going to enjoy any pleasure while my soldier, fellow soldiers are out in the battle. I reject, I refuse to even enter my house. So he, he refuses to do that. He was focused. On the battle, he was focused to please the commander, which is kind of funny. It was David, you know? So, he was one focused, amazing example of soldier. And I believe that the army of God should be like Uriah, focused. Focused, kingdom-minded soldiers. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but, um, you know, Korea, army service, like, uh, it's their duty. They have to go. They're required to go. Once they reach like 19, 20, you have to go and get checked up and then you get sent to army. But then, um, after they come out, uh, there's this, uh, 예비군 system. 예비군 systems, like, even after you come out, you are like on standby. You know, so you have to go in, is it every month or what? Every year, every year you have to go into training for like a couple of days or something. I know Caleb used to do that, you know, but he does that. And then you go in and like get like two days of like training again. You know, that's called Yebigun. My dad, you know, when he was younger was Yebigun. My brother's Yebigun. Everyone, uh, young men who's, a, uh, who's able to fight, they're all Yebigun. And, um, you know, not too, oh, okay, I need to be really careful. Korean men are very sensitive about this, but, um, Yebigun, it's my opinion, okay? <laughs> don't be offended, right? I don't think they know how to fight at the battle. If, <laughs> all right, I'll look away from Jin. <laughs> but my brother testifies that if North, North Korea comes, you know, comes and invades, whatever, I was like, Opa, are you going to go fight them? You know, oh, what if you die there and whatever? You know, he was, he's like, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to run away. You know, I'm going to fly to Jeju or something, go to Japan or something. I'm not fighting, you know. You know, he, he's just not interested in dying for the nation. He has no calling to be an army, you know. And um, I, I think, you know, Caleb, watching Caleb and other people too, I don't think they're like fully equipped to fight the battle like that. <laughs> That's my opinion, by the way. Right? I'm not generalizing anything. Maybe Jinopa is really ready, you know. He, he goes, you're going to go. Jinopa, you're going to go do it. <laughs> But the point that I'm making is, I believe God is calling us to get out of the yebigun mentality. You know, just holding armors, like wearing armors, holding your gun doesn't mean that you're a good, good soldier. It doesn't mean that you can fight the fight. And it really doesn't mean that you, you know how to attack the enemy and anything. You know, and a lot of, I think, church communities are just hiding with their guns, with their armors on. That's hiding in the wine press, you know. Not knowing how to fight, just waiting for Jesus to come back and to end this, the hardships. They're just waiting and waiting and hiding. You know, it's like quite an accurate picture of a lot of churches, you know. They're just waiting for Jesus to come back to end all these hardships. And they do not know how to engage in the battle. And I believe God's calling the church out of the mentality. You are not a Yebigun. Come on. We are not. You're called to be engaged in the battle. In Sabbath season, in sowing season, at every season, that's the safest place for us to be. God's calling us to be kingdom-minded, be like Uriah, focused, you know, to please the commander, please the officer. You were just, just like him, you know. 
And God's calling the church to stop avoiding the battle. You know, and just go in and thrive in the battle. You know, plunder the enemy. That's our calling. We are the army of God. Amen? We are going to fight together as a body. Amen? I want us to pray. <laughs> I want us to pray uh, for uh, for a couple of topics. Uh, I want us to all pray together. Can you? Can we? Can we do that? As an army of God, just applying what we heard, uh, God's really just speaking to all of you to be engaged in this battle. Whether you are, you know, interested or not, whether you want to, you feel like it or not. I believe that when the commander. Whoever holds the mic is commander, by the way. You know, when the commander tells you to go jump into the battle and fight, army of God, we do that. We don't dodge it. We don't avoid it. You go and use your authority. I love this quote by John Bouvier. He says, uh, if you don't use your God-given authority, someone's going to take it and use it against you. And I think that's so true. When you are just holding the gun, not doing anything about it, somebody's going to take it and start shooting, you know? And, um... I want us to start attacking. Uh, we're gonna pray, take a time to pray for Chesujong Jipsanim. I know we prayed for her earlier, but I want us to engage in this warfare. And I want you guys to imagine and envision her breaking, her spirit breaking out of the weak flesh and getting up from that ICU, you know, and walking into our Sunday, Sunday service testifying. And I don't want us to end there. I want you guys to imagine her going to nations and healing million people. Suffering from cancer. Our God is big. He's able to do that. Alright, so can I just call that, uh, warfare? And we're just gonna jump into the battle.